friends, friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and scantily clad volcano babe, Alex Dandino. <laughs> Guys, uh, as always, if you follow the show... Uh, and you like us, please leave a second if you can on a podcast directory where you find us to leave a rating and a brief review. It does help out a lot more than you would imagine, especially on iTunes. Much obliged. Also, yeah, we all do socials. So, uh, you know, share the show on your socials. Find some movie-loving buddies. Uh, give them a direct recommend. All the good stuff you guys are doing to help us grow the show. This has actually been our biggest month ever. So thank you, guys. We appreciate uh, the movement from The Alchemist. Uh, now, on to the Pod Gets Animated Month. Uh, continuing our animation theme. Today, we have a real banger. Fantasy banger. Uh, fire and ice. High fantasy. High fantasy banger. Yeah, right? <laughs> now, this one I have loved for a long time. Because it's, uh, it's, it's Ralph Bakshi yes. and Frank Fazetta, yeah. which is cool. Frank Fazetta. So if like you, the godfather yeah, uh, of awesome... <laughs> bodacious fantasy art yeah it's like the art that's like looks like it should be on the side of a van but it's way too cool uh a lot of great i don't know about like that Conan it, the definitely, it definitely belongs on the side of a van i don't know about way too cool every guy who gets a painting on the side of his van wishes it was a frazetta caliber well yeah I mean, never is <laughs> that's always the that's always the attempt and they're like yeah make it look kind of like a frazetta um but like something like me you know and that's yeah, right. <laughs> but like, I'll pay you 20 bucks for it. No big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this movie has uh, everything I love in a movie. And I, I remember seeing this when I was young because it was one of those movies that, again, my parents just assumed was OK for me to watch. Yeah, it was a cartoon. This is and then like, you watch it. You're like, oh, oh, shit. OK, we're doing some things here. The next two <laughs> movies are the next two movies we're doing for this month are just like some of my all time favorite, like get away with murder movies, because you could convince your parents to let you rent them thinking that they were like animated movies, just weird. And then you'd wait till they were gone and you'd watch them because it basically was getting like it was basically getting your parents to buy you porn without them knowing it. It was pretty. Cool. Yeah. This one, not as bad, but it has uh, some pretty gratuitous moments. I mean, there's some pretty obvious shit. Like, again, nobody needs to be I mean, to be the tiny tissue-thin uh, bikini. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one needs to be sashaying through the moors of fire and Iceland uh, in a bikini. Just completely unnecessary. Well, I mean, maybe not needs to, but maybe it frees you up for more athletic movement. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see any nope. of that? Did you see Princess Tigra doing a lot of athletic movement? I did not. Yeah, I mean, when she killed her captor and they were chained together, she pretty much did CrossFit to drag his ass down that hill. <laughs> okay, so Alex, what about Fire and Ice uh, so lights your fires? What do you love about this movie? Why was it added to our Pod Gets Animated Month? Fire and Ice is one of the ones that I think it's looked over a lot, actually. Um, it's one of those... It's one of those uh, rotoscope Bakshi movies because there's like obviously his Lord of the Rings one, and then uh, he did mm -hmm. Wizards, which we could we could have done, I guess. But uh, I've actually never seen Wizards. But um, uh, it's one of those things that gets lumped in with heavy metal is like, oh yeah, that stuff. Uh, Fire and Ice gets like buried at the bottom of the heap, and I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, it's one of it's just to me a great little cult classic. 
Uh, it's not a very complicated story. It's actually written by Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas, who are uh, better known as uh, the people who wrote the Conan stories for Marvel mm-hmm. Comics, and I believe also created some characters in their own right, obviously. Um, but I think Fire and Ice is also just one of those great like time capsule movies of like, man, you just got away with murder in the seventies. Like as far as like make, er, sorry, this is 1983. Uh, um, <laughs> but regardless, like this, like early, like early eighties, late seventies, like you could just get away with anything and like call it. Oh yeah. This is an animated movie. Well, what's it about? I don't know, man. We're just going to draw a bunch of God, girls running around in bikinis with huge tits. And there's a really buff couple of dudes. All right, whatever. Make it. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> like it's but just this, this so the weird thing. Yeah, the fact that it – I am I always love when movies like this just exist, period, because you think back to the pitch meeting, you're like, who was this for? Yeah. Right? Oh, no, absolutely. I saw it as a kid because it was just like, oh, like barbarians and, you know, it's sword and sorcery cartoon. I was like, okay, clearly not made for me as a child. Although no. back then we watched movies like this and it was fine, right? Like I don't know that I'd want my kid watching it at four right now. But, like it's more – uh, but not only that, like it's clearly aimed at a more adult audience. And this was before uh, the adult audience had been trained from our whole lives to like now at our age, we are trained to imbibe animated movies and, uh, you know, all these kind of elements of this movie. That's very normal now. Back in the early 80s, I feel like there wasn't this this generation of like our dads. that was like, yeah, I want to watch cartoon on Friday night. Right. You know? <laughs> I think so. Like I did a little bit of just general. I try to do at least a little bit of general reading and research beforehand. I guess like in 1982, like the apparent th- methodology behind getting this movie made was 1982 Beastmaster Conan, uh, Conan, the barbarian had come out. Like, mm-hmm. so fantasy movies had proven at least mildly popular, but also successful at the box office. So, but again, like you bring up a good point though. Like imagine going into the pitch meeting and hearing this pitch, like, cause I would be asking the same thing if I was like, who is this movie for? I'd be like, I don't know. There's 15 kids in the Midwest who like this shit. What do you think? Yeah. All I right. mean, I guess like all preteen boys, this would be like a yeah. popular flick. Well, like, I guess, <laughs> I mean, and part of the pitch maybe is like Frank Frazetta's art. Like that would probably be, that would probably be part of it for me. Like, Hey, have you seen like, you know, uh, fantasy metal bands riding around the country with their band name spray painted on the side of their car. <laughs> That's this guy. Oh, okay. People like that. I mean, there's probably but a even then there. like the fantasy metal, uh, sub genre was not even blowing up yet at this point. No, they had like Zeppelin. Yeah, exactly. And so, they were like only borderline. Cause they talked about like Valhalla. Right. <laughs> right. And that's sort of like, kind of what's strange about this to me is it, it really is a movie that, it really is a movie that just defies any sort of logic of how it was made because honestly it has no, it has no bearing from it's an original story. It has no bearing from the comic books or uh, even like heavy metal, for instance, which is where they grabbed a lot of stories and shit like that. Um, it has no like underground comics vibe, like uh, like a, like an R crumb thing or anything like that. It's literally a movie. It's literally a guy who's like, well, huh? Five of my friends got together. We came up with a great D and D campaign. Should we just do that for a movie? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Like that's really well, like, kind what if of you like, took what yeah. What if you took Game of Thrones and stripped out all the political intrigue and detail? Right? <laughs> detail. Like, there's yes. fire and there's ice. They don't like each other. Go. 
Because that is the weird thing, right? This is a movie that I've always liked this movie. I just kind of enjoy the world of it. Yeah. But it it truly has almost no narrative. Oh, right. Like they set up Necron and uh, Lord Gerald or King Gerald, whoever. Yeah. But essentially, this movie is kind of vignetting around a fantasy world, right? Like, oh, let's just throw in like a giant octopus. Let's throw in a, you know, witch in the woods. Yeah. With like a giant Rob Zombie son. And that's just just like a two minute throwaway. Yeah. That has no bearing on anything in the story. And and that's kind of the whole setup of Fire and Ice is what if we took um, this kind of newer animation style some Frank Vizetta to give it the kind of really cool, like one of the things they do in this movie that I love, right? Like the two animation tricks that we're going to focus most on is obviously the rotoscoping just gives it a different life than most animation. Yeah. Uh, the movement and the vibrance of the characters while being really kind of flat in the animation is, is really fun to watch. Like they just move so much more interestingly on screen than other cartoons. Right. And then our animation. Sorry, I know cartoons has a connotation with it. And I like the way they use the Frazetta, like kind of watercolor backs and foregrounds. Yeah, absolutely. So that there are times when they pull way back and it looks like you're just in this big comic book page yeah. in this big fantasy world, which is really fascinating to watch. So I, I've always really liked the style and it is just kind of like, hey, do you just want to come like meander around some Frazetta paintings for a while? Yeah. And I've always said yes. <laughs> right. I mean, that's kind of, and I mean, look, yeah, the movie is literally like, oh, there's an ice guy and he hates everyone and there's a fire guy and he likes his fire people. That's it. Yeah. Like, no, that, that seems to be <laughs> like, I honestly, like, I, I wish I could go into more detail than that, but that's like it. I, 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 I'll say on this viewing I did because, you know, obviously with the show, we watched it a little more intently. I did notice one huge glaring problem I have uh, with how the plot actually works out, uh, which we'll get to. But nevertheless, it's just one of those things where, again, the animation style is so fascinating. And I've always been fascinated, especially by like late seventies, early eighties rotoscoping. Cause like, like the way people know rotoscoping now is because of Richard Linklater. Like that's really what everyone knows is everyone saw waking life and they're like, Oh my God, Mm. that's so fascinating. That's such an interesting way to do it. Same thing with a scanner darkly, but like, to me, Ralph Bakshi's version of this is so much more uh, in tune with, like, it, it's, it's, uns- I would, the way I'd put it, it's unsettling, honestly. Like, if you've ever seen American really? Pop, like, like, animation moving that way is frightening to me. It's really, really, really uncomfortable, and it's strange, but it's so, but that's what makes it so worth watching. Like, that's the part that I actually really enjoy about it, is that yeah. I'm watching it, and it's watching characters that are animated move almost identically to a real a real human being. You can see the movement of a real person behind it, and that's what makes it so unsettling and fascinating. Yeah. I, I love it. But it's that mixed with the fact that all the characters are so flat, right? Like It yeah. looks like they're all unfinished drawings. There's right. not a yeah, lot of exactly. detail work. There's not a lot of layers on each character, right? Like. They live in this most horrifically harsh world. (laughs) And there's not like a ton of like, oh, look at the battle scars and dirt and filth. You know, everyone's just kind of these clean, like white guy, green guy. Yeah. You know, and it, it, but the movement adds so much, right? Because this, this kind of flat under animated movie, I would say. But once you get the movements, right? Like even something like Necron writhing in his seat, which I have another thing I'll talk about later. 
It just it changes the way you're watching the movie, and it right. there there is its well well under animated is the way I think of the movie that extra layer of you know binding it to kind of the way we see the real world adds a lot to these movies this yeah. one particularly totally absolutely but I also yeah. like how they add that with the way they separate the layers out they do this thing in the movie where there's often you know. Way background, mid ground, and then foreground. It almost looks like uh, plays, you know, or almost like uh, what's that? The guy who did Man, uh, the the Mission to the Moon, the like that early movie, the Lumiere movie we all watch, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shoot the rock where he has like he'll have like some foreground stuff, you know, things moving in the background. Then the players are in the middle. This movie does that a lot, whether it's through a snowstorm or you know lightning bolts in the back, and oh, there's like a skeleton in the front, and the characters are running through. It's just such an unusual way to see animation presented. And um, yeah. Bakshi's really the only one who took this and kind of ran with it. This didn't become a thing, it feels no, like. No, this was his style. I'm like, I think that's kind of the thing. And what's fascinating, I think because of what happened with Lord of the Rings and everything, when you go back and watch his animated version of Lord of the Rings, for instance, like you look upon it and you're like, oh, that's pretty cheap. Like, you know, that's, I guess that's good for them. That's how they did it. But like, no, like, it was not cheap. It's like, it's the solution they came up with to tell the story they wanted to tell. Like actually the rotoscoping stuff I was reading originally came up because, uh, like for Bakshi, because the, um, I think 20th century Fox, I can't remember if it was with wizards or if it was with fire and ice, they wouldn't give him the additional 50,000 he asked for to animate, animate, animate one of his movies. So he just, he resulted to this to, as a cost cutting measure. And while it's something that maybe seems like it might be more expensive to like film, because basically this process of rotoscoping is filming live action and then tracing over it um, with paint and pencil. So like, while it's which, which to me sounds way more expensive, like you're literally filming two things that you're filming two different versions of the same thing essentially. So that seems more expensive, but apparently this is some sort of cost cutting measure, which is bizarre to me, and it's literally well, unearthed an entire. It's it's an entire genre of filmmaking in and of itself. Well, it becomes the chasing Amy thing, right? Yeah. It's like, you're a tracer. You're just a fucking tracer. <laughs> so at this point, you're like, here are our character designs, right? You pay to design your characters. And then you just say, hey, trace them over this. So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand it as a cost-cutting measure. But, obviously, I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. Right? Like, it was the cheaper way. It seems like it would not be that cost-cutting. I, I guess maybe because it is tracing mostly. Well, it's just your live-action filming you can, something. And also, and you can, you can go through it faster, right? Because you don't have to... You're just like... Every time you see a body, like throw the animation on Right, it. right. Yeah, it, it is very strange. Um, All right, let's talk about the actual movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, Yeah, but that, that to me, I think it's important to talk about this style because it, it is probably the thing, if not for this style... I do wonder if this movie is not completely lost to the sands of time. Yeah. I mean, I, you, well, I mean, no, absolutely it is. Like, not to say... I mean, it almost is now. Like, not, not to speak Most people I know of, haven't watched this movie. No, not at all. Look, and not to speak ill of others' art, but this movie absolutely had it not been done by Ralph Bakshi, and how it, had it not had the pedigree of the people that were involved, like him and Frank Frazetta, this movie is innocuous at best. Yeah, and that's not a knock. I mean, that could be said in most no, movies. No, not at all. Right? But, like, what I'm saying is... Like, is would like, you watch Benjamin Button if, like, your buddies made it as a film school project and it didn't right. have uh, like, Bradolf in it? Probably not. You and I... Like, you and I would not be sitting here talking about this movie had it not had it not been made by Ralph Bakshi with backgrounds and shit by Frank Frazetta. 
Like, if we're true. being totally honest about this. Probably true. Yes. Yeah. All right. So this movie starts off with a title card, which I adore. I love a little reading assignment before a movie starts. <laughs> uh, give me some background on the world. Yes. And I love it, especially in this one, because they do almost nothing the rest of the movie to give me any story. Absolutely <laughs> so not. No. Like, here is the minimal amount that you need. Uh, don't ask. Don't bother me again. It right? is truly like, let's wonderful. get this out of the way and then start running. It is one of those wonderful. Uh, <laughs> this is what you need to know. I don't want to hear yeah. anything else for the rest of the movie. I I'm telling you, I love when movies do this. Instead of like, I would take this every day over a flashback. Never give me a flashback. Just give me the reading assignment up front and then get on with your story, right? And I love that it cuts from, you know, uh, this setting up our fantasy world, right? Fire, ice, bad guy, good guy. Right. Fine, got it. And then we just cut to one of my favorite openings in any movie ever, which is uh, there's a giant wall of ice coming that's, you know, hundreds of feet taller than our wooden walls. Hold your position and ready your spears. <laughs> I was like, what were you guys going to do? Were you going to, was this like, uh, you were hoping you had an army of Glenn Closes with the ice pick or whatever? Or no, that was Sharon Stone. Sorry. You're just going to, you're just going to Sharon Stone your way out of this, a giant ice wall. Only one dude runs and he's not the one that survives. That's a huge narrative flaw. The smartest guy in the village who doesn't just stand with his toothpick pointed at the avalanche isn't the one who lives. He's just. Like, this is one of those great... This is why this movie is not, like, shockingly... Like, this isn't one of those... <gasps> classic. It's one of those movies where, like... Okay, that kind of stuff right there, you're like... Okay, this is just, like, vintage fantasy stuff. Like, hold the line with your spears at this giant ice wall. That's what we're... That, that's the level we're at for this movie. Like, that really does set the tone for the rest of the film. But, again, like, I absolutely adore... I absolutely adore for some reason this movie because it's just so it's just so plain and simple and bizarre. Like, right. But it's, it's, it's honestly just sword and sorcery. Right. So it, yeah, that's here it. is the thing. Here are heroes. Uh, there's some fighting and they don't again. And I don't think there's an added value to this. If we stop and like, what is the nature of man's relationship to fire? And we nope. have like these deep dives. Like we don't need that, right? Like no. get on the dragon hawks and fly yeah. around. Let's just let's kill get some on the dragons. Get on the dragons. Pick up a pickaxe and just do your thing, man. Like that's yeah. honestly all this movie is. It's all this movie requires of you. And I think that's some, one of those things where <sighs> that's one of the beauties of those these this kinds of this kind of movie right here. Like what also tells you they were very cognizant that while there was uh, some kind of like. <laughs> Uh, racy animation at times. They were also cognizant that a lot of very young boys were probably the right. core audience. Like that's right? probably like, let's keep this simple. <laughs> that's probably the best part of this movie is so they set up with the open. They set up with that um opening title card, and then they just let they just let the movie loose. And pretty much like you're like if you're really into fantasy, you're like oh cool yeah ice guy and like oh King Necron yeah awesome. And then they cut to... Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying when I was watching it. <laughs> and then they cut to the tower where Princess Tigra is being held. And there she is in just like, uh, I don't know, a couple of pasties and, you know, whatever, covering her, covering her downstairs parts. Yeah, I get it. It's warm there. Yeah. But, like, we also cut to her dad who's wearing, like, a bear. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there there are levels to this game. Right. Uh, it's, it's so strange. Because, yeah, and also they're like... Your job as princess is to be a learned scholar. And it's like, hey, can I get one of those graduation robes at least? <laughs> like, can I get anything? 
and, and they do this where they they animate her wearing essentially nothing the whole movie and also that she's constantly kind of using it yeah so maybe there is like a this is a fighting defensive strategy for her maybe and, and I, this whole thing is very strange too because she's obviously like her and a uh, blonde guy feel extremely Lar- shoehorned into the movie larn yeah, Lauren and her honestly don't even need to be in this story. Like, she is a hostage, and that's part of the negotiations. Right. But other than that, they really have next to no impact on anything that happens in this movie. No, and I take a lot of umbrage with the fact that Lauren is in this movie. Really, but really bothers me. Yeah, Lauren is such an extra character, and he's really generic and flat. Like, as far as a main lead in a fantasy story, I was racking my brain. I can't think of a character that I know less about and am less interested yeah, I, I like so he was the dumb guy who saw someone running away from the avalanche and he's like, I will pick up his stick and fight the ice <laughs> doesn't die struggles with. I mean, I guess he's like an average level fighter. He's OK one on one, but he's certainly yeah. not Panther, bro, who kills like, you know, he's like, I'll just take on because it was the two of them. Right. And he's like, I think there's 50 of them. And Panther bro's like, sounds about right. Let's murder. <laughs> Whereas Blondie's like over there wrestling one on one. But yeah, it's why was Panther Bro not just the main guy? Yeah, that bothered me a lot. Like this movie, we see him on the horse, right? Why not ride in? He scoops the lady when he sees her kidnapped, and then that's just our story. Why do we need Larn at all? Right, Larn is like this. Larn's supposed to be this guy who takes us through, and actually, it's kind of interesting because the more I wa- the, uh, when I watched it, and by the way, they're made by completely different people, but I found great similarity between Larn in this movie and a uh, Den in Heavy Metal. But so, but like, so Larn is just like supposed to be apparently the character that we're like, ah, oh, yes, I relate to that guy the most. And you're like, no, I want to be Dark Wolf. Dark Wolf is awesome. Dark Wolf literally, yeah, right. <laughs> Dark Wolf layer, Dark War Wolf wears a wolf's head over his eyes and uses the eyeballs of the wolf functionally. That's cool. I don't want to be. Yeah, that's way cooler. I don't want to be some weird braided P-tail guy with a loincloth who doesn't know Maybe how to fucking handle Maybe that's why Larn exists, right? It's because we all watch it. And it's like, we'll never be a dark wolf. We're not. <laughs> who are we kidding? We're not a dark wolf. We're a blonde pup over here. Fire and Ice, I can tell you right now, is nothing if not wishful thinking movies. Like, right. <laughs> it belongs in this. It belongs in the category of like, I could do that. Like, that's like, that's the category it belongs in. Yeah, I mean, I guess because Lauren doesn't actually do anything, that works for us as an audience. Because Dark Wolf, by the end of the movie, Dark Wolf's just like, give me a hawk. And they're like, we'll send all these other guys with you. He's like, whatever. And everyone else gets killed, essentially, except for him. And he just goes and has a one-on-one with Necron. Yeah. And you're like, all right, if that's our movie, why do we have this other character? <laughs> why do I have to I'm keep... I'm like, I get it. It's fun, right? Because we have to have like our fantasy romance beat. Right. Uh, we have to have more fighting monsters. But you're like... uh. Dark Wolf could have fought that, you know, Octopus Kraken. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he could have been captured and broken his own chains in a crafty way. Uh, there's nothing in the movie that we needed Lauren for. And that, that was something that baffled me when I was watching it this time. was Because also, he's just not cool. What is his angle that makes him worth watching in this movie? I don't know. Bre- Whereas Dark Wolf, like you said, classic fantasy barbarian porn. You're like, that guy is money. I guess braided P-tail, that would be what makes him cool. Like. I mean, maybe I honestly could not tell you otherwise. It is truly bizarre. Yeah, because and even his relationship with Tigra, right? Because it starts off. He's found a a dead animal and he's just eating it without 
cooking it, which right away I'm like, all right, well, this guy sucks as a hunter. <laughs> and then he's like, not only am I eating it without cooking it, let me sleep by the corpse so that every hungry predator in this whole fantasy land, which is full of hungry predators, will be descending on me and attacking me in the middle of the night. Right. Right. That's another terrible hunter move. So right away, I'm like, this guy has no ranger skills, no barbarian skills. And then when Tigra comes, she's like, I'm just going to steal this one little drumstick. He wakes up and he's like, hey, what the F? <laughs> well, there's a whole pig here. Yeah. And then Tigra responds, I'm not a thief. I was like, well, you were just technically yeah. stealing. You were definitely and Then they kind of saunter about. And she's just like, she lays three berries on the ground. He eats them and they look at each other and it's like. Now we're in a relationship. All right, it's on. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? But that's why I was like, I think Tigra's playing it the whole time. I don't think she wanted the, the uncooked animal. Oh, no. Because the next time we see them, she's cooking the animals. She knows. I think that is she, for sure. She is the hunter who sees a mark. She's like, look at this pathetic little P-tail, dude. I can use him as a meat shield. There is nothing more wish fulfillment than a woman laying out berries and then the guy eating them and going, well, I guess we're in a relationship now. Like, that's. Yeah, and the next scene is them just sleeping together, like, by a fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes but this again yes. this is tigra using it right because actually the scene before was her they throw her the orcs throw her in the water and she's like oh shit i got this she's coming up and doing like one of those fabio shampoo commercial things right she does it two or three times and then dips and just like swims under and all the orcs are just sitting there horn dog on the edge of the water <laughs> just like waiting for her to come back yeah right and i was like yeah, most of the men in this movie are not shown to be exceptional intellects. No, no, no. All the men in this film, short of Dark Wolf, are wildly, wildly outmatched by King Necron's. Uh, hang on, King Necron's, King Necron's genius of, I hate people. Ah! And then he like does this yeah. weird little hand thing where he, like, it's interesting. Like King Necron in this movie, who's like sort of ended up being this like bratty child. Uh, with again, everyone's got cool names except for so it's like Larn, Tigra, Dark Wolf, Necron, and then Necron's mother's name is Juliana. Like you're like, <laughs> all right, Karen, get over. Here. <laughs> they should have given her the "Can I talk to your manager?" haircut. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, Ju Julian. Yeah, no, Necron in this movie is fucking strange as a bad guy. It's very weird. Like, he's so his entire plan is it insanely slow-moving avalanche that eventually will get to a castle full of lava. I mean, it's just... Because that, that's the other thing in the movie is we have this whole hero adventure and you're like, wait, they were never in danger. Right. When the avalanche gets closer, they just unleash the lava and Necron's going to get boiled in his hut. I, I, <laughs> I absolutely love... I absolutely love that that's like the impending doom of like the fire and ice world is, oh no, all this ice will, I don't know make the lava yeah. cold like it's i mean but not only that i love that they're like release the lava we have no choice it's like well you just destroyed the entire forest and everything you eat so you're all dead when this movie's over anyways <laughs> unless you can eat those burnt lava orcs i guess that's it <laughs> but no so necron right one he does the slow moving avalanche which by the way i would love an entire documentary on the thought process of this it is the most phallic and orgasmic animation of all time Every time one of those icebergs is growing, it's like, and erupting and like, you know, fucking nut everywhere. And Necron's just, oh, oh, yeah. writhing in his chair. And then afterwards, he spins. He's like, oh, I need to roll over and take a nap. <laughs> he is orgasmic when he's making this avalanche. Oh, yeah. Like, go back and just watch those ice uh, <laughs> icebergs jutting up into the sky, <laughs> erection style. 
and misting, you know, snow everywhere. Oh, yeah. Then he gets furious when (laughs) he gets furious when the mother has the audacity to bring him a lady. Okay, that was my favorite scene in the entire movie. And I had totally forgotten just with all the other shit. Like, this scene is so fucking funny. Like, I actually pulled up the dialogue because the dialogue is like the best is. Why have you brought me this? And like literally like Tigris just like lay before him like, this is your bride, my son. She will be mother to your sons. How thoughtful, mother. I need no bride and no sons, but you need heirs. I need nothing. And then he has the orgasm icicles again like that. He threatens to kill his mother. Yeah. If she ever has the audacity to hook him up on a date again. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like, again. That's his most sinister moment in the movie. But this is another great example of, like, wish fulfillment of nerds everywhere. It's like, oh, boy. It was really embarrassing when my mom hooked me up with my my cousin that one time. I don't know if I want to do that again. (laughs) And then, like, that's... Oh, that hot babe was just writhing in front of me. But I was super busy. You know, Fortnite had a DLC come out. Okay. But that's exactly (laughs) what this is. Necron's like the kid on Fortnite who can't be bothered by girls. (laughs) But he's surprisingly excited when Lauren shows up. Oh, very. He's like, oh, what up, dude? You fascinate me. Whips his clothes <laughs> off immediately. He's like, let's sword fight. I was like, there's a lot of not subtle symbolisms going on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, it's, it's, a very, it's a very on-the-nose kind of movie. Like, yeah. Oh, Necron's a ni- an ice queen. Is that what you're doing for us? Oh, good. <laughs> that flew right over my 12-year-old head. But as an adult, I got you. I see exactly what you're doing. <laughs> wow, we're really... We're really- Bearing the metaphors here, guys. Thank you. But not only that, think of this, though. His plan is slow-moving orgasmic avalanche. But we see he can just puppet master human beings. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. So his power must be more... I mean, I was like, is this like he can control water? But did you see how... Or is it actual mind control? But you're like, you don't need to waste all that energy doing the avalanche. Obviously, you're getting an enormous amount of joy out of it. Right, but did you but see how you stressed out he was controlling the people? Like that was the thing. Like he was not in a good. He was not in good time. He was not in good spirits doing that. He seemed. I mean, it was fine. Like you think he would be in better spirits, you know, being dead of old age before he took over the ice keep. I mean, he just seemed like he was under extreme duress. That was the thing. Well, because we see at the end, Dark Wolf is able to actually fight the spell and break it, so it's not a sure thing, right? But for Larn, he could definitely beat Larn. And actually, Larn gets a cut on him, yeah. right? Our most average of heroes gets a cut on him, and then he's, you know, oh, fuck this. I'm going straight to magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larn, Larn- totally cheating. Yeah, very uncool. <laughs> like, he's basically like, no, I got this. And then he gets a he gets a quick cut on him. And they're like, oh, shit. All right, fine. Bloodbending it is. Like, that's like. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodbending? <laughs> Your inner nerd is showing. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it was awesome though. But I I think they actually accidentally did the most character development on Necron just by like the weirdness of I'll kill my mom if she brings me a date. Oh, there's a blonde guy. Let me whip my clothes off and fight him. Right. Uh, the avalanches give me orgasm. Like you're like okay in a movie that has almost no character development or narrative, he gets a lot in. Like really? they re- they fleshed out Necron enough for me. Necron's very fleshed out. You get a lot of his sense of like he's. Clearly, uh, his mom's a little in love with him. There's a lot of Oedipal shit going on there. Um, and then uh, you get Larn, the you get Larn, and then you get Dark Wolf. Like Dark Wolf is the wish fulfillment all teenage boys have of like, I'm gonna put on a wolfskin hat 
and have an axe and I'm I'm gonna pick up all the kinds of babes. Like that's gonna be my life. <laughs> like that was like that was me at eleven years old watching cartoons and watching this movie is like, God dude, if only I was ripped and wearing like a loincloth, I bet girls would be all over me. And then yeah, like right? and then you like push ups away. And then you go back to middle <laughs> and then you go back to middle school and you're like, Oh, it's not that, it's that I'm me and that's that's the problem. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, at best, you're like, I'm that giant ginger dude whose mom lives in the woods and is a big creep. Yeah, exactly. At very I'm the homeschooled neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can we talk about the witch in the woods, which yeah. was important for roughly 20 seconds and then rapidly disintegrated? Well, I like that she she catches the lady. And, of course, this gets back to the teenage boy thing. We were like, are they about to, like, hardcore oh, yeah. have a scissors scene in front of her son? They don't, and then she's like, hey, maybe I can sell her to Necron. Necron's guys easily murder her giant uh, Lenny son, take her out, and then she comes back as a skeleton is like, hey, avenge me. I I was actually pretty good. It's like, nope, you weren't. You were just going to sell her, and you got betrayed first. (laughs) But that's what I mean. I love that this movie isn't concerned about if a character speaks, she needs to matter and be a part of this, like, longer thing. And Nope. Nope. She's just nope. actually a stepping stone. <laughs> yep. Like we, we just gotta <laughs> get to the next. Everything that thing. happens feels that way. Like, why did we start at that wall at the start? Okay, just to show Necron uh, having some murder orgasms, and yeah. that you shouldn't fight an ice wall with a stick. All right, Dark Wolf could have rode on and just carried the narrative. Nope. Nope. Look, okay. So that he, village dying didn't really matter that much. The only thing that okay. So the other character that's fleshed out to me is King uh, Gerald Reginald. What's his name? Gerald. G- Gerald. Jarl? Gerald. Jarl? Jarl. I love Gerald because he's kind of like... King J. <laughs> yeah, he is desperate to have his son murdered, yeah. which I loved. Because <laughs> his son comes in and the guys are like, ah, we're here to give you a dark treaty that's not a treaty. And the son's like, fuck y'all, we'll fight you. <laughs> and the dad's like, my son is an idiot. He talks from his heart, not his brain. But, you know, we're with him, I guess. Later in the... And then, you know, totally cool. All of a sudden, his daughter's stolen, which is not kind of how we're used to the hierarchy, right? Right. It's kind of a patriarchy in Kings. So the firstborn son would be the most important. The daughter gets stolen. He's like, son, you need to go negotiate. Kid's like, dude, dad, if I go over there, they're going to kill me. And he's like, you have to do this. This is for you. Because the son, I think, even says like, dad, why don't you go? The dad's like, no, no, no. It's got to be you. (laughs) The dad's just like. Yeah, you go get obviously murdered. Yeah. The most obvious murder of all time. Right? You go do this. It'd be like sending your kids out. Hey, kids, there are these super sweet, well-sharpened katanas. Go have fun in the backyard. <laughs> you know? Again. And you give your biggest son a katana and your smallest son that you don't mind losing uh, a Nerf weapon. Again. And be like, I didn't see that coming. Again, it Insane. goes to the beauty of this movie, which is like the everything that happens in this movie is functional. Like it has nothing to do with like story development plot theme anything <laughs> it's just functional to get you to the next scene like so you're like why doesn't that guy just get the whole army together and go oh never mind forget it i i, I it's none of my business just <laughs> never mind yeah well then at the end he's like i guess we'll fight with an army and then he's like well i guess i'll do the law of you could have done all of this forever <laughs> it, it's one of those movies where you're like i feel like we could have pulled out any one character it just doesn't matter doesn't you could have done this anyway with any number of people, uh, you know, you could still have. Vign- it's funny because we're about to do heavy metal as well. This movie feels as vignette heavy as heavy metal. 
Oh, this which is actually just a series of short stories. This movie feels like it was a heavy metal vignette that they forgot about, and so Ralph Bakshi showed up and he's like, "Hey, I got this fire and ice thing done." Like, oh, cool, yeah. Everything else is like, uh, cool. Uh, we'll, let's throw it in. Uh, yeah, it's not one of those things where I can just like lay it in. It's like an hour. It's like an hour long. We told, <laughs> we told you to do half, like, like a ten minute bit. Yeah, the heavy metal people are like, we like the tits, but. Everything else has to go. <laughs> Keep the tits. Get the rest out. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. This is a Ralph Bakshi fa- high fantasy epic edited by Heavy Metal. Yeah. Let's see. Tits, check. Uh, animals, <laughs> like weird animals, check. Uh, tits, check. Double check. Just making sure there's tits in here, right? Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all we needed. Thank you. That's good. Great. Thanks. And moving on. Like, yeah. That's the beauty of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think what's cool about it, though, besides the style is awesome. I, I really love the style. Yeah. There's the one shot that I can't get enough of, which is where they throw uh, Larn over the edge after his sword fight. There's like some Frank Fazetta, like skeletons yes. and corpses in the front, giant ice cavern in the back, and you see the body. I'm just, there's just moments of a lot of beauty. Uh, beauty. Yes. Beauty. Beauty, indeed. Right? The beauty. The yeah. The beauty double D, as this movie would have it. Uh, I just. I enjoyed this movie, man. I like I like simple sword and sorcery. It's not trying to do too much. It's not reinventing the wheel. And again, that the animation style itself is unique enough that it will keep this present in viewers' minds. Uh moving forward, I think, because there is something fascinating about again, because I mean there the animation is underwhelming often. But yes. when they freeze and you get those, like, Frazetta moments, right? They look like posters. Mm-hmm. And then as they start to move, there's something just visually arresting about, wait, this looks like a bad cartoon, but the way it moves is really thrilling. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and again, so it just, it does everything pretty well. And it kind of defies the, you know, the bigger rules of how you'd want a movie to be uh, from a story point. But it just doesn't matter because it's just a fun world to be in. and. Right. Again, every turn is just something dangerous. And it doesn't matter that it's all unified danger, unified heroes. It's just here is some fantasy fun. Right. I think, I, every- I think it's cool. Like nowadays, I feel like this movie would have to be so noted and focused, right? Everyone wants to make the ver- Pixar version of a movie where every single frame and scene and character and uh, prop all work together to this unified grand theme. Right. And, you know, those movies are fantastic, too. But I kind of like that this is just – it feels almost more real, right? It's just like, yeah. what if we put you in, like, a sloppy real world? Yeah. Like, because our world doesn't function in, like, everything's a unified theme and heroes. It's just like, what if I just set you in the most fucked up neighborhood ever? Yeah. And you just ran around for a while. <laughs> and remember, no monkey business because you will get murdered five seconds after monkey business. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just – I like I like the – I like the kind of rough edges of this, I guess is how I would say it. I I agree. Like, I think it's one of those movies that's not tended to a lot. And I think the thing that I love the most about it is that, yeah, like it's one of those things where when you're like surfing through, you're surfing through TV, you're looking for something to watch on streaming and you just discover this. You're like, what is this? Like, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of movie you happen upon. Then you get to have that experience of like, what is this movie? And you watch it and you take it in and yes, it's, weird and kind of creepy but at the same time warts and all it's really fascinating to see particularly that animation style because it's just not done anymore like and if it is like i feel like the last time i saw rotoscoping done that wasn't like link later 
was probably like what Pocahontas maybe like that might be the yeah. last time I remember seeing it. So I think that this is also kind of a forgotten art form. I mean, they don't need to anymore, obviously, because we have CGI and all that stuff. But again, back in the day when you had to draw everything by hand like a pleb, this was really like kind of like the uh, this right, was the cool thing to me. It reminds me a little bit of how I still think about like Harryhausen movies, right? Exactly. It's like, yeah, there there are more efficient and you know visually accurate ways to do it, I guess, but that doesn't make it better, right? No. There is some kind of weird alchemy in the the cracks of watching the <laughs> the Kraken rise in Clash of the Titans or Jason and the Argonauts watching the sure. skeletons fight. There is some kind of look at all the links they went to with what they had and look at this thing that was groundbreaking at the time that we so moved away from it kind of, it, it kind of seals it right like a mosquito in the amber of look at this old thing that existed and it was really cool at the time and you, you always have this hope like maybe i'll see something like that again and so you know since we probably won't right it's fun to go back and experience these you know moments in time like what if this movie had been the thing that shifted it and everything we watched today had been rotoscope animation. Right. I mean, like, I did, I just enjoy going back and, and sitting with these kind of, you know, curiosities of movies. Yeah. I think this is, it's one of those styles that's so visually arresting at this point that not seeing it and not like kind of taking it in. Yeah, no, this isn't like high art. Like we're not watching, I don't know, whatever you find is be the most pretentious and most important thing you've ever seen in your life. But nevertheless, it's still fun and fascinating to watch because quite f- I just watched the Red Turtle on repeat every day. <laughs> well, there you go right there. I mean, could there be anything more pretentious than that? Actually, no. Yes, I sit there and I watch. I really like that movie, though. I, seriously I like do. the Red it Turtle, It works for too. the joke, but hey, calm down. Yes, yeah. but no, I mean, this is like the point of the – that's the point of watching these kinds of movies. And really, like, the point of the show in general is, like, when we watch these things – the reason we like to watch these kinds of movies and the ones we pick is because they bring us a certain amount of joy. Like they've given us the reason we call the show film alchemist is because there is this sort of weird unscientific thing about seeing something. It's sticking with you for your entire life. And that's exactly what things like Ralph Bakshi's movies do. Like particularly like fire and ice and like the original Lord of the Rings movie, all that kind of stuff is so it feels I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the way that you phrase it, like it feels like dirty. It feels edgy. Like it feels kind of mm-hmm. like you're like, it feels like an indie movie, I guess. Like that's how I, yeah. yeah. It feels like we're, it feels like we're at the edge of, well, you know, we came up with what we could and this is what we came up with. And that was like, that's fine. <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool. So I, I don't know, yeah, man. It's worth it. All watch. right, guys. That's it for Fire and Ice. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed your time with this movie as much as we did. If you have a friend who likes high fantasy, uh, rough edges, and scantily clad volcano ladies, uh, share the movie with them, guys. Uh, a lot of your fantasy friends will be glad you did, right? A lot of our audience that, you know, is into D&D and other things. Um, it's always fun to find a fantasy gym, and I think this one offers a lot of joy Um that people just haven't found yet. Big time. Um, easily, easy to find. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, so, yeah, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed it. We did. Again, if you could take a second, leave us a rating and review. Share us on your socials. Um, and join us next week for Heavy Metal. Oh, yeah. 
There's a lot of heaviness in that movie. Very little of it metal. Uh, we'll be talking all about it. Also, for those of you who haven't heard, next month, we are beginning our Brat Pack-themed month. So, not only mostly John Hughes stuff, but, uh, you know, the Brat Pack as we knew them. Uh, you know, we see them starting as young lasses and uh, lads in Breakfast Club, and we will watch their progression through St. Elmo's Fire. We'll talk about the ins and outs of the Brat Pack, these kids, these actors, what could have been... Uh, their fictional side lies. We are really excited about uh, our Brat Pack themed month. That's right, man. Some special guests, too. You guys will be excited. Special guests, double features. We got a lot of good stuff coming for you. Uh, I should be coming out with some movies that are in theaters soon with our friend Sam. Yay! Uh, so, yeah, guys, stay tuned. Subscribe. Uh, lots of good stuff coming. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Should I just do a metal riff? Dark Wolf. Oh, there you go. That could be our band. <laughs>